you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to be this morning. This is probably the passage of Scripture that you're pretty familiar with when you open your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. Um, as you enter into Matthew 18, this is probably uh, the part where you will remember the most of. Um, but in order to uh, kind of do the whole thing together, I really want us not just to, be, to know Matthew um, chapter 18 from the perspective of confrontation, but I want us to know Matthew chapter 18 in the whole passage. And so this morning as you go to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 18, you know computers. First hour it worked perfect. Who knows? By the way, I need a new picture. It's kind of an old one now. All right, so here we go. I think we got it now. All right. Sorry about that. Matthew chapter 18. First 14 verses are very important before you start verse 15. There's a tendency for you to go to verse 15 because that's kind of a passage of Scripture that gives you some rights, gives you some authority. So you want to jump into 15. But before you go to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15, the first 14, humility. The disciples are there with Jesus asking the question, who's going to be the greatest? Jesus looks him in the eye as he pulls this child along and says, this one. The one who has the courage to walk by faith. The one who has the courage to humble himself. The one that has the courage to say, you know what? I was going in this direction, but now I need to go in a totally opposite direction. So as you enter into Matthew chapter 18, humility. Here's something that's really interesting. I know that you all struggled with sin this week. I know there's things in your life you said, you know what? I'll just go down this road. Nobody will know about it. Well, it'll be okay. Eh, That's not really a big deal. And so as a friend, as a person that probably if I pass the microphone to every single one of you, say, yeah, we love Jesus. I'm a Christian, but are we a Christ follower? Are we coming to the Scripture and say, no, that's not where my life needs to be, so I'm going to go in a totally different direction? How did you deal with your temptation? When was the last time that you came before your Heavenly Father and said, okay, God, you know what? I'm wrong. And I'm going to humble myself before you, just like the word picture or the thought process, or just like watching a child. A child that says when dad says jump or mom says jump, they just jump into the pool. When dad says, that's okay, I'll take off the training wheels. I know you're going to crash, but you really need to learn how to ride a bike. So I love you enough to say, go ahead and ride. We'll get mom over here. She'll kiss your boo-boos. Everything will be okay. That's just the way you push your kids to go ride a bike. When was the last time you as a dad said, oh, wait a second. I need to humble myself because I'm living outside of the truth of Scripture. The lost. I don't talk to you a lot about this. I I don't really watch the news. I read the news. It helps my blood pressure. But we're living in a kind of a, I'm not afraid, but a sad time in the United States of America where people's lives are so broken and all that really the media wants to do is talk about all the broken lives. And I I said this first hour, Chuck Wilson was here and 
I don't know how long ago he said this, but it just stuck to me. He said, I wonder how many churches that gunman walked past. I mean, how many, I wonder how many Christians did that gunman walk past over the lifetime of the gunman? How many opportunities there was a Christian? Somebody said, oh yeah, we love Jesus. We went to church on Sunday morning. You know we love him. How many people did he walk past that was just a Christian and not really a Christ follower, that their lives were so busy they never looked and said, wow, there's somebody that's broken. There's somebody that needs hope. There's somebody that needs an answer. There's somebody that's lost, and I've got the remedy. How many? Was it 1,000, 10,000? Was it one? Or, like Marin County, was there no one there? Fifty. What was the number? 59 suicides in 2017. 59 in one county. We know the church isn't there. Why isn't the church there? Some of it could be the sovereignty of God. Some of it could just be, you know what, I really don't want to be a Christ follower. My 403 is more important to me. My company is more important to me. I really don't want to, I don't have a passion for the lost. So as you enter into Matthew chapter 18, humility, temptation, the passion for those around you, Here's something that's going to be very interesting for you. This is not natural. This next slide that I'm going to put up there is not natural for you. Okay? To remove the log out of your own eye. There's a tendency for us to always be looking around and say, well, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this. But what if we said, Jesus, what's going on inside of me that you want to correct? It's easy to look around and say, okay, let's fix this. Okay, that person needs fixed, and that person needs fixed, and that person has a bad attitude. That person needs Jesus. What does he want to do in your life today? And so as you enter into the Scriptures this morning, come to Matthew chapter 18. Come to, to verse 15 and say, hold on a second. Before I start going around, God, what do you want to do in me? What's going on in my life? So Matthew chapter 18, pick it up in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two others with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even to the church, let it be as to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. I'm going to go back to the beginning of chapter, or back to the beginning of chapter 18, verse 15. I want you to see these words here. If your brother sins against you, I want you to stop there for a second. I want to be really clear here. 
Because I realize that you and I have a tendency to always believe that we are right. So the word that I highlighted there is the word sins. This is not your preference. This is not your opinion. This isn't where you go to somebody and say, okay, look, I think this is the best way to do this or to do that. So you gave your opinion, and then they didn't do it your way. Then you go back to them and say, well, by the way, I gave your opinion. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Now, I want you to be really clear here, and I want to be really honest with you. There's a temptation for every single one of you sitting in your seat this morning to think that you are right. Just ask you. There's a temptation, even though we're in a building and even though we're at church, there's a temptation for every single one of you to think that you are God's gift to the earth, which is true, but not from the perspective that you're thinking about. Okay? So as you enter into Matthew chapter 18, and you come to verse 15, if a brother sins, okay, so somebody has done something that is biblically wrong, not a preference, not an opinion, not what do you think. All right, so if they have sinned against you, you can define it a lot of different ways. I'm not really going to define it for you because you need to wrestle with this. I think there are times when, when we say, you know what, I have the right to go confront this person. I really think we need to be humble in this process. So as you enter into Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 15, I really want to challenge your heart to be humble. There's a temptation when you gather around church to say, well, I'm I'm going to go confront so-and-so. As you enter into this, I want you to see something here. There's some things that Jesus does not say that you need to be aware of this morning. All right? He does not say that you have permission to go talk to your friend about praying about going confronting so-and-so. That is not biblical truth. So if somebody sinned against me, I do not have the right to go talk to two of my three of my good friends that are guy friends and say, by the way, so-and-so sinned against me. I do not have the right to go text so-and-so, my friends and say, so-and-so has done this in my life, and I'm going to go confront them. Would you please pray? That is not biblical. Okay? That's gossip. And what's always interesting is when you get involved in these situations, you've got to be really careful how you paint this picture because you have a tendency to paint it like you're right. You'll give just enough truth so that your friend thinks, man, that guy is really wrong. He really did something wrong. So as you look at the Scriptures this morning, you do not have permission to talk to your mom, your dad, your neighbor, whoever else you think is great to pray about the situation. You have a command of Scripture to go. That's your command. If somebody has sinned against you, you have command by Jesus to go and seek reconciliation. Now, this is really important. There's a temptation for when somebody has done something wrong to you for you just to go with a heart of correction. That's not what the Scripture is encouraging. Okay? The Scripture is not giving you permission for you to be right. The Scripture is giving you permission through the words of Jesus. If something happens in my life, that somebody sinned against me, I want to go find another brother. I want to go develop a relationship. So when I walk past that guy at church, he's my brother. Not that I was right to my brother. There's a big difference there. You've got to be really, really, really careful. 
And so this morning as you're sitting with this, now there's something that could happen, okay? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If, circle that little word in your Bible, be aware of that little word. There's a possibility that when you go to somebody, they're not going to high-five you and say, yeah, I really agree with you. And I think that happens probably a lot because we have not bathed this in prayer individually and come to that individual with humility. We come to that individual with a mind of correction. I'm going to fix so-and-so. Because we haven't really thought about all of Matthew chapter 18. We just drop down to 15 and say, okay, I'm going to go fix so-and-so. But if we work our way back, if we're concerned about the lost, if we're on our face before God because we have been in personal sin, then humility naturally flows out of who we are as an individual. So if you go to so-and-so and they don't high-five you, maybe there's probably more going on in your heart. Maybe not. I don't know. I just I want us to be thinking about the total picture, not just about me being right, you sinning against me, now I get to blast you however I want to, and say, listen, you're wrong, okay? If that individual does not receive you, if that individual does not look you in the eye and says to you, I need to ask for your forgiveness, okay? This is important. It's really important. If somebody comes to me, it's not important for me to tell them why I did this, what my day was like, I didn't have my cup of coffee, I'm under stress from work, I'm mad at my wife. If somebody comes to you in confrontation, you really need to say, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Which I know is like earth shattering. Because when was the last time somebody said something to you and you said to them, I need your forgiveness. No excuses. This really plays out really well with parents with children. You can give your kid an excuse for three hours, and because they're little and because they trust you by faith, the three-year-old's not saying, Dad, you didn't ask me for forgiveness. You just got mad and lost your temper. And you gave me all the reasons why it was okay for you to lose your temper and not ask me for forgiveness. That's really what our three-year-olds probably need to say to us as adults. And then us as dad need to get down on one knee in front of our sons and daughters and say, you know what, I'm, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I am wrong. You wonder why this is still kind of floating around the church? Because probably most of us adults in the pews sitting here have not really ever done that. Humbled ourselves and say, you know what, I am wrong. I need to ask for your forgiveness. So just think your way through that, and I know we're getting close on time here, so I just want to show you, I'm going to keep, kind of keep on going, kind of buzz my way through this other part. If the person does not say, hey, high five, or ask for forgiveness, or admit that they're wrong, take somebody else with you. But as I was talking with uh, Dean and I were talking between services, you need to choose that other person wisely that goes with you, and that other person does not need to know a whole lot of information before you go talk to the individual, right? So I'm not like, 
I'm not going to go, you know, go speak, okay, Reggie, you and I need to go talk to so-and-so because they've sinned against me. Now, by the way, this is what they have done and given them the whole scenario. So now Reggie and I are on the same team going to talk to somebody. That's not what we're talking about here. You need to have somebody with you that's be willing to look you in the eye and the other person in the eye and say, you know what, you're both wrong. You both need to ask for forgiveness. So choose the individuals wisely that you go with because what is the overall goal? It's not the overall goal for you to be right. The overall goal is reconciliation. When two or three are gathered together, say, you know what, God, we're here in this passage of Scripture. Two or three are gathered. When? In confrontation. Not at a prayer meeting. But together as two or three men or women, we're coming to you saying, God, would you do something here? Go in a different direction. If that person does not reconcile with you, communicate with the church. We have done church discipline over the years. It's not usually come from the pulpit where we said, okay, by the way, we need to confront so-and-so and let the whole world know. But there has been times behind closed doors with the elder board, we have sat with individuals and asked them not to come back to Bible Fellowship Church or not to take communion because they will not repent. And then what you have to do, if this happens to you, then you have to let that person go. Jesus is telling the Jewish believers through Matthew, kind of like the way you're going to treat the Gentiles. Just let them go. Now, I want you to see something here as we kind of end our time together. I'm going to read these next verses to you. I want you to see the word picture because there's something that goes along with confrontation. You know what that is? Forgiveness. Some of you have friends that you're still mad at for something that happened 25 years ago. And Jesus says this to you this morning. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often will your brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many, and Peter says, I'm, he's a pretty good guy. As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I, t- I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, word picture, here you go. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven will be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servant. And he began to settle when one of his brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Highlight that circle. This individual owed this king 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience on me, with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me. I will pay you. He refused and went, went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went to report to the master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master delivered to the jailer, and he he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father 
will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You better double circle that passage of Scripture, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. Because your Heavenly Father, because He has forgiven you, is calling you to a ministry of forgiveness. You may never, ever, ever hear from the individual that has confronted you or your neighbor or your grandparents or your dad or your best friend or whatever. You may never, ever, ever hear them say to you, I am sorry. But you are called to forgive. I want to be very clear here. You will never forget, but you are called to forgiveness. And I shared this first hour, probably one of the greatest ministries that need to take place in the church of the United States of America is forgiveness. Because what happens, anger builds up and bitterness builds up. And oh yeah, you sit in church, but you just spew out of your heart out of the bitterness and anger and rage of inside of you. So instead of running to the cross, you run away from the cross. God, why did you let this happen? God, where were you? God, what were you doing? And all along, your God was standing there and saying, I love you. I forgave you. And it's, it's fascinating to me as you think about forgiveness, one of the things that you love most about being a Christian is that Jesus was willing to die on the cross for your sins. But you know what the hardest thing for you to do is? I forgive you. So the total part of Matthew chapter 18, the total chapter of Matthew chapter 18 is humility, Temptation is to turn in and go in a different direction. Do you have a passion for the lost? Do you have a passion to go? And is forgiveness part of who you are? And I'll tell you something. Forgiveness hurts. Forgiveness is painful. But I've been forgiven, so I need to forgive. So now, what you know of Matthew chapter 18 was really putting the ball in your court and gave you permission to go talk to people. And I I am all for, I told first hour, my office door is always open. If there's something that I've done where I've sinned against you, come open open the door. I'll, I'll be more than happy to say, God, I'm wrong. I don't mind saying, I, I don't mind asking forgiveness. I'm a sinner. I know it. You don't have to tell me. Okay? But is that your heart today? So, Father, the Scripture's in front of us. So what do you want to do? So are you ready? So what? Why'd you show up? Listen to the still, small voice. What is he asking from you? What does Jesus' word say to you this morning? Well, if somebody sinned against you, you need to get out of your seat. Not right now. I mean, you can. It won't bother me any, but you need to go talk to somebody. Maybe you need to take a witness. Maybe you've already went and tried to talk to somebody. Maybe you take a witness. Maybe you need to forgive. So, Holy Spirit, you know what you need to do in each individual heart. So my prayer is that you do radical change, not just, oh, well, 
I can ignore that voice. Ah, it's not really a big deal. No, there would be a compulsion inside of us saying, my father spoke to me. What am I going to do about it? So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving it. Thank you for allowing Matthew to pin it down so that we could have information straight from Jesus' voice this morning. So now take that information and allow us as sons and daughters to walk in biblical truth of knowing what it means to be humble, what it means to deal with temptation, what it means to have a passion for the lost, what it means, what does biblical confrontation look like? What does biblical forgiveness look like? So, Father, thank you for allowing us to be around the Scriptures today. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.